0: Welcome to Nutritionista, the official podcast about all aspects of nutrition with an in-depth view into women's health. We focus on nutrition for every stage of life, as well as body liberation, healthy eating at every size, eating to nourish and fuel your bodies, and working through health challenges with education and inspiration will help you to walk away from the diet culture and understand the biochemical mechanisms behind disease and illness. Your hosts are Megan Hayes and Rani McCudden. Megan is an award-winning clinical nutritionist, biochemist, personal trainer and postpartum doula with a masters in both women's health medicine and reproductive medicine. With 12 years of experience teaching, training and supporting women and their families, her passion lies within the field of hormonal health, menstruation, fertility, birth control and pregnancy whilst empowering and supporting women through postpartum and beyond. Rani McCudden is a Chef and Nutritionist from the Central Coast, New South Wales. She has an Advanced Diploma in Nutritional Medicine and is in her final year of a Bachelor of Clinical Nutrition. She also holds a Diploma of Practice Management and is a Physio-based Pilates instructor. She is passionate about sharing her love and creativity with food as well as the importance of nutrition with her clients. She also runs a small hobby farm and leads a paddock-to-plate approach to life. Join us here weekly to talk to other specialists and wellbeing advocates in the fields of women's and family health, parenting, fitness and wellbeing. All from the comfort of your own home, car or wherever in the world you may be. We're thrilled to share this time with you.
1: Welcome to the Nutritionistas. My name is Ronnie McCudden and I'm joined today with my co-host Megan Hayes to discuss our next episode of Unpacking Allergies where we discuss environmental allergies. So let's dive right in and what is an environmental allergy? How do we manage them? So Megan, what are the common environmental allergens? So,
2: the most common environmental allergens are substances such as pollens that are released into the air from trees or flowers, or even grasses and weeds. Substances like pet or animal dander, for example, like their skin cells that animals commonly shed, as well as their hair or even saliva.
1: Yeah, this is something that we deal with on a regular basis, with my daughter being allergic to the protein in dog saliva crazy I know wow. um, and she's constantly covered in hives and rashes because she just refuses to stop kissing the dogs <laughs> but your dogs are so cute so how
2: could she stop I know <laughs> So dust mites are one of the most common indoor allergens. They're microscopic bugs that commonly live in furniture, carpet and mattresses. It makes me queasy as I say it. (laughs) They're basically all around your home. If you do have a dust mite allergy, your symptoms might be worse in, say, spring and summer months. It's because the dust mites prefer the warm and humid environments. Bugs like cockroaches leave an allergic substance that can cause an allergic reaction for some. cigarette smoke (laughs) cigarette smoke's been found to irritate and worsen allergy symptoms in so many people avoiding smoking and exposure to secondhand smoke especially if you have allergies is highly recommended
1: So one of the most common environmental allergens is household mould. It's often described as the silent killer. So it can grow outside your house, but it's most potent when it's growing within your home and it has the potential to cause health complications. The scary thing is you might not even know that you have mould. It grows within your walls, so you might not actually see any visible signs until the affected part of the wall is actually removed, exposing the mould internal mold can be located in ceilings carpets and insulation so we recently had storm damage during the the last east coast low, and our roof sustained significant damage basically causing the water to enter through the roof cavity come through the ceiling literally like a waterfall um from this damage we had horrible horrible mold that we didn't even really realize because there was only a tiny visible patch in the ceiling Um, So we had the the team came out, they fixed it all up. Um, we had dehumidifiers in for a couple of months. Um, but basically we have to have this entire back room rebuilt now because of the damage from the mold. Um, it's, uninhabitable it's crazy to think that you know a little bit of rain damage can basically decimate the entire back part of a house but I was so shocked when researching what mold can actually do within the house um and even given that our house is so old like it's 107 years old and um I have to vacuum and dust nearly every single day because it's just I swear it just rains dust in this house
2: yeah, I remember seeing your video from when the storms happened and it looked like, like even Hubby was blown away, it looked like yeah. there was just a shower head just turned on yeah. and it was going nuts. Like <laughs> the, was entire, the entire bathroom was just
1: dripping and there was like a one section where there was just a waterfall coming through a PowerPoint. It was, oh, my yeah. gosh, it was horrible.
2: Wow. All yeah, so it it blows my mind just the damage it can do. So my own personal experience with mould, and it feels like it was so long ago, so it all stirs everything up again. Um, I guess Annika, who's now nine, she would have been about three at the time, and she was in crèche because I was stuck at uni. Um, And she would have this constantly chesty gross like mucusy cough and I mm. thought it was just crace jam so we just passed it off and it went on and on so it was about like six plus months this went on for had to do the dreaded antibiotic path which I really didn't want to we tried everything before that but it did fix it but only for a week and then it came back again and then it felt like it was worse so it wasn't until we went on holidays over Christmas and then came home and we'd put her to bed that night she woke up crying in the middle of the night and I went in to see her, but as I stood next to her bed talking to her, I honestly thought she'd gotten up and weed, so the floor was wet on her carpet. So I stuck my hand under her bed and her carpet was wet further mm-hmm. under her bed to where she would have wet the bed. Yeah. Um, so I sent her into our bedroom and the very next morning, I got hubby to pull the bed away from the wall and peeled the carpet up and there was black mold all over our concrete slab in her bedroom
1: oh wow so
2: we ended up calling insurance we put it through the insurance and they full-on sent it was the funniest weirdest moment where they had guys in full hazmat suits working in our house you could not get into her bedroom it is yeah you couldn't get into her bedroom it was a double zipped basic door that they put in we had the biggest fans in there it felt like you're on an airplane it was so noisy you had to almost go outside to talk to someone yeah we
1: had those here
2: it was yeah crazy they took all the plaster off the walls and turns out her bedroom kind of backs onto our ensuite and they said it was a tiny leak that could have gone for up to two years from the silver hose that connected to our toilet that was just leaking through a crack in a tile it's kind of mind-blowing wow. stuff. And it was that black mold that was causing that allergic reaction, I guess, yeah, in her chest. And the moment that we put her in our bedroom and she stayed in there, it felt like for a good couple of months until this insurance saga was all over and done with. And, yeah, it just basically disappeared. But funnily enough, again, a few years after that my grandparents she was stayed there the night and turns out they had mold but she came home the very next day with a cough too so it was all like wow (laughs) total wow moments and they had to do the full insurance thing as well like yeah it's crazy so it's amazing how much it has impacts on not only little people but of people yeah, of of well me. that's
1: it, and most people don't know that they have black mold within their walls. It's only if you have to remove a wall or there's significant damage yeah. that you actually you actually notice it. Yeah, exactly. Her carpet wasn't even wet to the point that
2: you could physically see water. It just felt damp yeah. to stand yeah. on. So dampness, kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah it's definitely. just
2: amazing, amazing. So in, in saying all of that, if you have a strong immune system and don't have any symptoms with when you come into contact with mold of any variety within your home however if you do have a weakened immune system or I guess chronic exposure to that mold at the same time um a lung condition such as like yeah basically you're inhaling mold spores it can cause asthma or induce asthma attacks or similar so it's almost the symptoms of asthma so the wheezing Mm. the tightness in the chest and all of this happens because the reproduction process of the mold basically the mold produces tiny microscopic spores that when you breathe them in inhale them they're extremely irritating Symptoms can include a running or blocked nose, coughing or wheezing, or irritation of the eyes and skin, so rubbing of the face typically in kids. Rare occurrences of severe reactions have been recorded as well. Occasionally, people will have more severe reactions and develop so-called lung or chest infections. So this would include those specific populations of people that we mentioned before, such as those with weakened immune systems, those with HIV, COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Then there's those with emphysema or the elderly or the very young, and those with lung-related disorders such as asthma or who suffer from other environmental allergies
1: so how do we minimize mold within our house i guess like probably some of the easiest ways would be to make sure you have proper ventilation mold loves to grow in dark damp warm environments So open the windows to allow some fresh air to enter the home. Turn on things like your exhaust fan in the kitchen um, and when you're having a shower, open the window if you don't have weird neighbours that like to peer in. Or teenagers. Um, And if you're using the dryer (laughs) or cooking, just, yeah, open some windows and just get some proper ventilation throughout the house. Yeah. Um, It's also good to limit the amount of indoor plants now i have a lot of indoor plants probably why i have a lot of mold (laughs) um and fish tanks as well because they increase the moisture content in the air causing more humidity now this is something that i also realized when we had our crew out to fix up our mold damage he he told me basically that my my love of my house pets or my house plants as i call them um (laughs) were basically contributing to the moisture content within the house wow so, yeah, I know I can't get rid of them though, they're my house pets. Like, it, it's really hard to keep them outside, means- like, yeah. They are on trend
2: right now anyway as
1: yeah. well, I've noticed. Uh, I am yeah. definitely a crazy houseplant lady. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, Succulents as well. Oh, my gosh, I've got so many succulents. Awesome. But now um, it's really important if you notice mould within your home to have it treated professionally because it's normally like the iceberg effect with most damage not being actually visible, which is what we both obviously found. Yeah. With, um, we had a tiny patch of mould visible, but an entire room needed to be basically rebuilt um you know but to keep the mold at bay you can use things like household mold cleaners in the bathroom or sort of window sills as well if you notice mold starting to grow there or my favorite one is you can make a little home solution using four parts water to one part vinegar So just make a little solution and wipe down walls and surfaces and that's going to kind of help keep any mould at bay or basically from stopping mould developing. Um, But if you do have mould, like it's really, really important to have a professional assess the damage and arrange for dehumidifiers. Um, Like it's, I didn't realise the extent of our damage and I wish I had have done it when we first moved in because we probably had mould right from the very beginning given that it's such an old house. Correct, yeah.
2: Yeah, I've also heard that using clove oil yeah, is really yeah. effective. Clove oil is also really good. Yeah, and a lot of people I've spoken to in regards to that as well, they kind of slam the household mould cleaners though and say that that basically just bleaches the yeah. mould so you don't yeah. it and it doesn't necessarily get rid of it. It will come back. So obviously that's yeah.
1: when the vinegar that's the and thing. Like You're just basically oil. treating the symptom, not the cause, yeah. which is what we are all about. <laughs> So what kind of reactions can we have to these environmental allergens, Megan? Yeah, great question.
2: Most people think of environmental allergies such as like the hay fever or runny nose in spring and like we spoke about last week with my son and his rye grass scenario. But in the fact that they can actually be quite dangerous in some cases leading to anaphylaxis, even though it's not a food related allergy. Um, most people that come into contact with the environmental allergens, They'll have the symptoms like we spoke about before, like runny nose, itching, hives, rash, headaches, fatigue, wheezing, and and the list kind of goes on. And in some cases too, there's that shortness of breath and it's not necessarily something that always dissipates. So often like if they find they're in one situation or one location, whether it be a house or office or wherever they are, just paying attention to those signs and symptoms that they kind of feel, it kind of helps pinpoint things. I guess if you've experienced or have an established or diagnosed lung disorder that we spoke about before also, your symptoms can possibly be a little bit more severe and possibly even life-threatening. So if you have seasonal allergies, your symptoms
1: might be worse during specific times of the year. So... Some home remedies you can use to assist with the management of environmental allergens are If you have pets and you notice that you're allergic to them, wash your hands after touching them. It's kind of a bit of a no brainer. And like I try and tell Lola, don't "Don't let the dog lick your face. (laughs) It's so (laughs) hard hard. to tell a little (laughs) girl who loves her her dog so much that they can't, yes, you can't let them lick your face. Um, But even on her arms, so make sure that you obviously don't um, come into contact with the dog's saliva. Uh, If you do, wash your hands straight away. Keep yeah. So keep them outside if you can. Um, obviously, I love having my dogs inside, and I could never not have them inside. But I have to vacuum every day, so you know they do shed their dander and carpets and beddings, causing reactions. So if you notice that you are having hives, wheezing, that kind of thing around an animal, it might be best to just isolate a certain room for them if you want to have them inside. Um, Keep your house aerated. So open windows and allow for good ventilation when the weather permits. Um, This is my favourite time of the year. I love when you can just start to feel that warm kind of air. You open the house and there's this beautiful, like, spring breeze just flowing right through. Let's just keep in Um, mind that you live in New South Wales. Oh, yeah, so I live in New South Wales. (laughs) So We are in winter and it's, what was it, 24 degrees yesterday Uh, and I think it's going to be 25 today. (laughs) Hush. No, always. Uh, it's crazy. I know. It's like, yeah, sorry, the rest of Australia. Um, <laughs> things like keeping firewood outside as well. We only bring in what we need um, because it's just so full of dirt and dust, and this stuff gets into the atmosphere. Correct. um One thing, it's kind of a no brainer, but clean and dust your surfaces regularly. Like, I live, obviously, as I said before, in a really old farmhouse um, that we are renovating, but I am always dusting and I find like, oh, dust and then the next day I'm like where did you come from why is there so much dust you know using extract fans as I mentioned don't leave wet clothing in the washing machine this is something that most people don't realize you know how you put the washing on and you sort of realize two days later but then you kind of you just dry it anyway put it back on wash it again So when it comes to those outdoor allergens that are a little harder to control, if it's pollen season and you need to go somewhere, keep the windows, the house, you know, if you're in the car, keep your windows up so you're not getting any of that sort of dusty pollen air I mean we have a lot of wattle around here and I notice my eyes are always itchy coming into that spring season so using a dryer will minimize pollen transfer on clothing because it's not exposed to the allergens outside so things like when you get home and it's been a dusty day just pop your clothing in the wash so the pollen is not transferred to the rest of the house Things like wearing a mask outside can also minimise inhaling the allergens and pollen. Um, it's pollen's generally most active in the atmosphere between 5 and 10 a.m. So if you do have a lung condition or you notice that seasonal allergies are kind of getting you down, try and keep inside during that period of the day. Yeah,
2: and it also helps that everyone has to wear masks at the moment too. Yeah, and we're all wearing masks anyway. Yeah, another big thing is too, especially if you're in the car and you leave your windows up. Just to make sure yeah. you you know where there is a pollen filter in your car, if there is one, and yeah, kind of look to that every time you kind of car, like vacuum your carpets in your car and so forth, just to make sure you're cleaning it out to make sure that you don't have a buildup. Yes,
1: something I need to do actually, my car is full of hay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you
2: think you have an environmental allergy based on either the seasonal or contact symptoms, please go and get a referral from your GP to see an allergist. Um, They will ask you questions about your symptoms and your medical and family history. Using that information along with the results they get from allergy testing, they can identify specific allergens that may be causing your symptoms. So allergy testing, such as the skin prick testing, is one of the most convenient methods. It's been shown in clinical studies to improve the diagnosis of all allergies when it comes to that. As another great feature of that is results are generally available within 20 minutes. They're visible. This allows you to discuss the outcome with your doctor or specialist at the time of testing rather than waiting for results to come back.
1: So how this works is if you are allergic to the tested allergen, a small itchy lump will appear and depending on the severity of the allergy, that will kind of determine the size of the lump. You will, however, need to avoid any histamine medication three to five days before the test, as this can alter the results, giving you a false negative. You know, skin prick testing is perfect for children as well because it's minimally invasive and completely painless. You can also have blood tests to test the total
2: IgE levels within the blood. So someone with raised antibodies is often noted in someone that has asthma or a parasitic infection or another medical condition. So, on its own, IgE testing should not be used as a standalone diagnostic tool. Having a high IgE reading does not always mean they're elevated due to an allergy, it can be caused by another unrelated medical condition. You can also have a full blood check to see what your immune system is doing, so one of those test results on on that panel is your eosinophils. So if they're elevated, the eosinophils are included in there, just so your health practitioner or your doctor, whoever's looking at these results, they can see a full window of to what's going on within you within your immune system to match your symptoms, essentially. So these high eosinophil levels are often seen in those with allergic rhinitis, which is hay fever, asthma and eczema, as well as other less common conditions. But like I said, the standard IgE test results alone is not enough. So allergy tests determine the specific allergens causing your symptoms. Once your practitioners identified what the allergen is, they can suggest a range of treatment protocols and suggest possible referral options for you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because there are several methods that claim to test for allergies and many many of these are offered as like online allergy tests and they cost hundreds and sometimes into the thousands of dollars. So Kind of things that you either take a blood sample, send it away, or like hair analysis testing, reflexology, and other methods within the complementary medicine world. Now, we both love complementary medicine, but these should never really be used as like a formal diagnosis. While some people or practitioners claim that they're proven ways to diagnose environmental or kind of food allergies... They're not covered by a Medicare rebate and the evidence around the effectiveness is not established. So these can often lead to a very costly misdiagnosis for some patients.
2: Yeah, I've had some patients present with a list saying, I'm allergic to this and this and this and this and this. And and it comes back to having hair mineral analysis testing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what that is. But it's so sad. Yeah, Yeah, I've studied it
2: extensively. So many many foods. Yeah, and that's the thing. So what they might be reacting to today, it's not necessarily going to be that same thing in a month. So Yeah, exactly. I'm not entirely against it. However, it needs to be retested and, yeah, you can't just walk away from meeting someone and saying, okay, that's it, I'm allergic to X, Y, Z, and never revisiting that or just sticking to a certain protocol because that's not what these protocols are put in place for. There's always a means to an end. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it gets really tricky. So that wraps up our third installment from the Unpacking Allergies series. We really hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope that you each got something valuable out of this episode and we can't wait to hear what you think of it. Please, please make sure you hit subscribe in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, so you can listen to the latest episodes that we release weekly. As we're totally independent with this podcast, we really do rely on your subscriptions, reviews, and your shares to spread the word. If you have any questions, please join our Facebook group. It's totally free, and we love getting into conversations with you all there. All you need to do is search for Nutritionista Community. If you want to read our blogs or would like to continue your health and wellness journeys with us, you can visit myself at www.nutritionista.com.au And you can see Rani over at www.cutrockcottage.com.au Until then, see you next time.